are you? I'm alive. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Too many risk groups. Being yeah. in New York, that's the biggest risk group now, no? Well, I've been locked in my house for like two weeks, so really it's, it's hard to tell what's going on. But um, I mean, I go out, get some food, get some fresh air. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, uh, I've been in a high risk group since uh, forever because of the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> survived some of that stuff but <laughs> like the top, beginning of march i was in paris i've been on planes i've been yeah. in clubs with a million people breathing in my face so um i feel really lucky that i sort of either had it in a really mild form and or no symptoms and just been acting like that since you felt sick No, you know, like a tickle in my throat a few weeks ago, mm. a headache, nothing, yeah, nothing serious. And I just figured I have that... a six, six p.m. Corona every day. That's my thing now. Yeah, every day, not... six p.m. Yeah. And then, and then I eat dinner and I'm all right. <laughs> when so I wake weird. up some days, I feel like, oh shit, but it's, it's been a while since, I mean, I have been to stores and stuff, but I try and. You know, obviously be careful, and but I don't know how careful anyone can be. But yeah, it's I just, mean, there's no, there's no, from what I read recently, there's, it doesn't stay in the air. It's not airborne. It is if you, if somebody sneezes on you or coughs on you, but it's not like, okay, somebody sneezes somewhere, it's going to stay there forever. It's going to be a big cloud of, of COVID. And it's like, uh, no, it's a lot of fear that people are, uh, people are adding to this. You know, it seems to affect everyone differently, which is the weird thing. Like, there's no, some people yeah. get no symptoms. I don't feel, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I must have been exposed to it. And yeah, me too. So I, you know, I feel, I mean, I've been talking every day. I just hear more and more people I know who have either sick or, you know, it's, it's. it's and everybody has this different. Yeah. Different kind of vibes. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I said, my, I'm fine. My family is fine. My, most of my friends are okay. Um, you know, I mean, we're going to hear more and more about people that we know or respect or admire getting sick or dying. And it's really yeah. to take. Um, I'm really sad. And, yeah, but that's like almost a normal routine. Already. You know, that your heroes, your heroes are dying yeah, in a normal, they, in, in a normal when... routine. I mean, yeah. it's just maybe an accelerator now, and there's going to be more, but I don't know, you know. I think, uh, I mean, you've seen, you've seen most of these people also, you know. You've, you've, you've experienced them in, a, in, you know, you lived, you lived with them, through them, whatever, however you want to call it, yeah. you know. I mean, I've seen a lot of... I lost it for a second. Survive a lot of stuff. But this seems to have no mercy, you know. Once, if you get that that bad, it seems to, you know, very quickly take you out. Yeah, it's, it escalates very quickly. But from what I understand, it also de-escalates very quickly. As yeah. long as they treat you right, you know, that's the, that's the biggest fear that 
they they won't have where to treat you. You know, yeah, I mean, if they have where to treat you, most of the people get out of it. You know, the people that get to this critical condition. Ninety-five yeah. percent of the critical conditions survive. Yeah, which is great, and they just—I yeah. guess—a huge boat just docked in New York, where they're going to be putting people who are not like <laughs> it's like normal sick. Yeah. yeah. Also in California, I saw it's like normal people, normal sick. It's like if you have a flu or something, God forbid. Now I think nobody has any sickness, which is great. What what does all the Jews do now with all the hypochondriac? <laughs> I mean, they can't go to the doctor anymore. It's like every fever. It's like there's no more other diseases. Like nobody cares about anything wanted, else. The last place I'd want to be now is in a doctor's office. That, that's what I'm saying. It's great. Also, it it keeps you from it keeps you from you know it changes you from everything you do. But before I left for Paris, uh, like I left on March 3rd, and I started taking a lot of really strong immune system vitamins and just taking trying to you know take really good care of myself while I was there because I, it was just starting to get really bad and like people were just you know still I'm amazed I'm still amazed that you went by the way <laughs> I mean it was I wouldn't actually, it was actually a great week I, I mean it was a really fun trip uh, stressful at the end because I didn't know if I'd be able to get home because everybody yeah. that, that was starting to be a thing like He's going to shut down, you know, everything's going to shut down. Yeah. You know, the big boss. I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, be away from home and be sick. But anyway, I made it back and I, I had, a, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, big, big distressing is how our government has handled this situation. It's, I think, I think the U.S. is so big that it's, you know, I think if something they're doing good in New York is just it's not something anything they control, you know. How can you really control? You see also who are the people that are sick, you know, the most areas. Well, you know? I mean, obviously we we all know. Well, not we all know, but some of us know that you know six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, when this was, you know, we all know what what happened. Our president denied that it was yeah. a, a problem, and now. You know, it is. And he didn't do anything when he could have slowed it down, taken some measures. I don't know. Obviously, couldn't have stopped it. And But the, the lying and the, the, the playing down of the seriousness of it was really... And then just people not listening. You know, I would go out even, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, see people out running around, like, yeah. hanging out together. And it just didn't make any sense to me, like... What's wrong with you people? There's a lot of places that it's still it's still happening. That's crazy. You know? I mean, that's I don't know. just longer for us to have to deal with it, I guess, because it seems like really the only way to stop it is to isolate. And we learned that from other countries, and you know, America, yeah, there's no there's no real treatment for it. Let's be honest. America, I mean, you know, it's all over. It's I mean, there's stupid people all over. <laughs> don't listen. Yeah, I think it's, you know, 80% of the world are the same people. They won't listen until somebody will put yeah. it in law. You know, you got to stay at home. You know, you got to live there. You got to, you got to, you know, you never, you could never leave the house. This kind of a... Or somebody they know gets sick. Or something yeah. like that. But... I don't know. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't feel, I mean, I'm always precautious. 
Anyway. Yes, I mean, we've been, in, we've been in Japan when it broke. So uh, we decided to come back earlier because of all the isolation and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was the mood over there. It was, I think, in the last few days, it, it started to be weird. Like in the last two days, you felt it. But then it became, it's normal again. It's just empty. Yeah. It's just this emptiness. But it's, now I guess it's everywhere. Kind of so now you're in Miami. Yeah, it's you not think? too bad. <laughs> they say they're getting a lot more cases there. I mean, I guess that's going to be everywhere, but... Yeah, I have to say that, you know, there is a lot of... It's very inspiring to see how how healthy compared to other places. <laughs> this place is, at least in Miami itself, in the city or in Miami Beach, you know, it's like mm-hmm. everybody's uh, everybody's in top shape. Not that it helped, by the way, but, you know, at least they're doing something <laughs> to keep themselves. Yeah, I mean, I do believe that your immune system plays a huge part in who's getting it and how bad you get it. And yeah. that's why I've been, you know, take care of myself. And I think it's helped me not get sick. So yeah, I, I, feel, I, I really wish that they will release the antibodies, like all the antibodies kits. So you can check if you had it, because I think people will feel much different about life in general. Because now it's this uncertainty of, I was sick, was I sick, do I have it, do I, you know, it's like, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's messing with your head more than if it's I knew really I had hurting it, you. If I knew I had it, and then you would be less worried about stuff. Wouldn't get it again, again. so I'd be, yeah. I, I could start to and, go And this, out. and then, and then it's like, uh, you know, you're thinking about this, and you're thinking about your work, and you're thinking about your family. It's in general too much stuff together. If something, that's the main problem in this disease, it's like too much. It's just oh, over the top, over the top, over the top. What did I do before? Does it have any, does it have any meaning? <laughs> you know, at this point, you're like thinking about your past and it's like, does it have any meaning? You look at your photos and stuff like that. Oh, I had so much fun. You know, it's like. I mean, I, I mean, I think people. I mean, I know I, li- I like to share a lot of that stuff, um, yeah. what I've done in my life and what I've lived through and um, from AIDS crisis, 9-11, blah, blah, blah. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, nothing on this scale, although at the time I thought it was, we all thought it was the worst thing we'd ever see. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that stuff's important to to show that life does go on and things will hopefully yeah, get back just, to, it's going to be a different normal I guess and that's the interesting part what will be after this how will we adjust how will we change will we change will it just go back to like business as usual I mean it's I mean I don't know if there's good you know clubs in New York are going to who knows how many will survive depending how long this goes on because I think personally we're going to have to keep them alive you know because I mean we as the people that work in the club not the not the clubbers because people would want to go out when this when everything said and done people would want to go out but if us as DJs can you know find it in our heart you know to not overwhelm the system with you know the fact that we need this money for jobs and whatever so it might be able we might be able to keep it alive you know and uh, and there's going to be a lot of concessions at the beginning it's like it's going to be a lot of 
you're gonna have to not a lot like i like i said at the last podcast i was like not a lot will survive this i'm sure because there will be because it it's it was very viable to be a dj in this point like this 2019 18 17 it's like oh it's a real job there's real money there's a lot of things behind it but it's gonna become if it stays like this of course maybe it's gonna change in a second but if it's like it there if you think about the worst case scenario it's becoming a hobby again you know and then you need to start again to build everything which will take time yeah that's the worst I mean, case scenario yeah 50 percent of that that's good also you know like i mean obviously, good. you know there there are a lot of things that were probably broken and not right about the way this thing was running and it's given everyone a minute to like step back hopefully and look at things the way they were living their life the way this job and i'm not complaining about this job because it's you know when it's it's the best job in the world uh when it's working yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you are able to do you, it you're getting paid to play music for people and i never ever complain about it you know and it's just like i feel lucky And I'm just like, I hope my luck hasn't run out <laughs> um because I, I don't know what I, else to do. I really. think you're in the good you're in the good side of this uh I mean I would worry <laughs> I would worry about other stuff, but I think uh, you're on the good side of history with this you know with this uh with this profession because uh I think it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of newcomers. Mm-hmm. and there's going to be a lot of people that has been around and you know they they never had the, the peaks you know the more linear kind of careers will will stay the same because it's the it's the contact that you have it's the you know it's your friends it's the fact that what you give from yourself and it's not like okay justin is hot now we got to book him so you know you give from yourself all the time that you were you know all these gigs and all this all this uh, events that you had and everything you've done and if djing in new york everywhere you know it's part you're part of it so it's not i wouldn't worry personally yeah, I, mean, i wouldn't I'm, worry too much i'm in it for i'm in it for life you know i'm not yeah like, it's who you are it's not your it's not like were. what you did you know it's the same thing i think about myself i don't think about oh it's my job to dj it's who i am yeah i, I mean there was no plan b for me this was it no. you know and like I figured you know obviously I started doing this in nineteen eighty d j ing and there's been you know it's a roller coaster you're hot, you're not, you're up, you're down, yeah. and you just you somehow manage to ride out those those parts where it's not so good and um find other things or other ways to stay alive and you know i You know, I, I really miss I miss being doing it right now I really yeah. do I mean all these live streams and blah 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 or you know it's not it's, the same no it's not I mean no. I don't I don't know who's I don't know it's it's who's a lot. watching it <laughs> you it's it's an it's like will anybody even want to see a DJ by the time this thing is over I don't know it's just like I think everybody you know and that's That got to me the other day was like um you know everybody's like gotta do something you gotta create and that's great if you feel like it but for me and what I do and I know you know a lot of my friends and you like well I work every day 
I'm doing yeah. something. I'm in the studio. I'm producing. I'm on tour. I'm in, you know, I'm doing something. So there's not many days that I don't feel productive. So yeah. I've been kind of using this to not do much of anything really, other than just drown, know. drown in news and, and, well, yeah, and just, thoughts. Uh, Talk, actually, it's been the nicest thing about it is, reach, I mean, I've been reaching out to a lot of old friends and people have been reaching out to me that I haven't heard from in years, checking up on me and reconnecting with a lot of people that I probably shouldn't have waited for a pandemic to do. But um, <laughs> there's, you know, that, that's a little silver lining in, yeah. the, in, in, the, in the, the darkness. And, you were... Uh... You know, You were talking about the eighties in new york run us run us through a perfect day i mean for me from the moment that we we met for me uh you know and i i guess for many other people you are the you know for us you're in new york you know it's like this is like this is the the real the real deal because first there's not a lot of people that's left and not a lot of people that's left and that they have still the energy to go around and enjoy. You know, and still appreciate everything, and it's like and not and never had you know it's like you never had the uh, i mean you it's you yourself, I feel like you're like you're a fan of everything, you know you're a part of it, but you're also a fan of it at the same well, time. I think I met you because I probably wrote to you because I liked your music, yeah, and like yeah. I probably reached out to you on Facebook or something, and like I have no like whenever I hear something. I mean, I don't feel any differently than I did the day I fell in love with music, and that was wanting to know everything I could possibly know about something I liked. So if I heard something on that I got a record by Moscow Man or whoever, yeah. I, I reach out to them, and I've made so many friends just by doing that. Like, yeah, just for being real, I guess. Just being like, a you know, fan, yeah. I mean, I yeah. don't think... I think I'll always be a fan, and I'll, I'll always... That's who I am I mean I like I've been like collecting records, collecting books, collecting magazines, collecting stuff that I love and inspires me and i'm a, I'm a fan you know i'm a, i'm a and I think that keeps me like wanting like the newest record like oh, send me this before it comes out or you know yeah. I, it's fun it's it's like the the chase you know the, to get something that no one has and and because that's hard to do these days it used to be. Like some guy from some label would bring you a test pressing or an acetate at the club, and yeah. you'd be the only one that had it, and it would be like, "Wow, yeah, and like this is not coming out for like three months, and you have the only copy, and that was special. It's hard to do that now with you know everything online, and you can probably find everything somewhere, so I feel like you know the the next track before it's even produced at this point, you know you can, you can already. hear it before it's even produced you know and but th- tell me what a day what... i mean it's a day in the 80s was yeah. uh all right highlights a few highlights that you're like i mean now when we're home we were like what i'm thinking myself i'm saying the things that i want to do you know mm-hmm. this is like this moment because I, i was angry already i was scared i was sad i was happy whatever all the stuff now it's like all right what do i miss what would i like to do again You know especially if I think in my head, okay, everything's going to change, so it's like it's like an era that's over, you know, and it's like you can't really go back to it, so I'm trying to understand, okay, what were the great 
the great moments for you and like let's start with the 80s for example in new york because like like i was saying is you no know, because when we met and we came when i came to new york the first time and we started to hang out and since then i'm guessing there's no for me last time i was there you weren't there which was the only time i felt like it's not the same <laughs> like we didn't we didn't really enjoy the city because it's it's not the same it's like having it's when we hang out with you it's like having a, a mix between a personal guide and a time machine you know at the same time because we i actually your stories actually portrayed the 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 you know the the things that really happen and it's like first hand evidence you know but yeah i mean that's i just super fortunate to have been there and been part of it i mean i think that's the big thing is like i was part of it even before that with my band and milk and cookies and then when i got into djing it was just being i guess in the right place the right time and making the most of it is what i always kind of think of it and like i mean i was super lucky that you know at that point there was this group of people like when i got my first dj job at the mud club like who were so inspiring like Keith Haring like John Michelle like Andy Warhol around like you know all these people that were Africa Mambada Michael Holman who has started Grey and just so many people I mean Anita Sarko she was the first DJ I heard when I walked into the Mud Club and she blew my mind and you know um Everyone was kind of on the same level. We were all just starting to do stuff like yeah, and New York had this vibe you know of anything goes because apartments were cheap, nobody wanted to come to New York, nobody wanted to live here, you know, except artists you know they would like find a place. Keith had a place on Broom Street, you know where he had his where he'd paint and stuff, and we'd hang out there. there were parties, and you know. going to the mud club every night you'd go there and you would see like the same people like every night the same two 100 yeah. 200 people that kind of changed the world in a in a cultural way you know that what were some of the bizarre moments like then <laughs> like something that you're like, every day i mean no it's like because everything was new or because it was really weird that's what i was always uh, i was always wondering because this i never know if it's if it's weird because it's new or is it weird because it is weird you know? i mean new york was a, a such a different place such you know there was you know scary place for you know the crime was rampant you know i mean you hear all the stories and yeah it was true like going down to avenue a b or c like was like kind of taking your life in your hands you know it was crazy drug wars and just not so there was an air of danger You know now it's like all cleaned up, you know crime yeah. is barely anything, and like you don't think about that stuff, but uh, not for long about, by the way. Had think, <laughs> we had to think about like where we were going, like if it was safe, it was you know it was kind of nuts um so yeah, there was this you're always on edge, there was an edge to New York at that point, and You saw you ever encountered bad moments, you know the weirdest thing is is that nothing's ever happened to me in New York. I've never gotten mugged, I've never gotten 
anything. And yeah. I think that's kind of just being smart and yeah. like not putting yourself in that kind of situation or just being really lucky. But um, yeah, I mean, we'd go to the mud club every night, me and yeah. my girl, you know, and we'd just be seeing. Where was it? Where was the mud club? Where was it? Like in the city? It's in Chippewa Canal Street on White, mm. on White okay. Street, seventy-seven White Street, and you know, we'd go there. I would DJ. I, I got, I got my first DJ job there somehow. I never DJed before in my life, and I DJed one night and. Um, got asked to do Thursdays and you remember what you I, played the first night? Yeah. I mean, the mud club was kind of a mix of funk and, and soul and new wave and punk and early hip hop. And I mean, everything from like, you know, Aretha Franklin to the buzzcocks to, you know, what, a, you know, they didn't have a, there was no 1200s. There was no beat. Man. It was just playing records, You're playing yeah. your record collection, basically. Which and everything, of, which what's that's how it is now. Also. It's like came back to now. A lot of places are this, this is what they want now. You know, you would come come with your own library, kind of. But I'm guessing. Well, what do you what do you think is left from the eighties? I mean, me. <laughs> no, except you. But I'm think I'm thinking as you for you in New York. What are you still? I mean, I would ask also now soon about the 90s and after, but I'm saying, let's say from the 80s, from that area, what are the stuff that you can still go out in New York and still grab it? Mm. You know, this kind of, if it's still, I don't know, if it's record shops that you still can hang out, there, if it's food, which is the most important thing for me, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the Lower East Side where we end up hanging out a lot when you're here going to... Russ and Daughters or Jonas Schimbel to get a Kanish or yeah. like... This is still the same? I mean, those places are still there hanging by a thread. Um, But the taste of it? There's little, there's little slices of New York still left, and especially down there. But um, obviously, you know, like I was talking about Avenue A, B, and C are now just, you know, you couldn't even afford to... I couldn't afford to live there or even, yeah. you know, uh, it's crazy. But, um, I mean, to me, New York always has something, even though it's changed and drastic. No place I'd rather live still. Uh, for me, it's keeps, it, it makes me who I am or for better or for worse. It's, it's in my blood and like, The thought of like being stuck in Paris doing something like this really yeah you know, I needed to be back in New York even though yeah. it's like I'm the sure worst it's times like, yeah it's home you know it's for me it's just home it's not like <clears throat> this I grew up there, and so it's a whole different what I do, guess. You, do you feel like uh, all this predominant Jewish establishment of food In New York, what do you, why do you think they say they survive for that long? Mm. I mean, you've seen probably I mean a lot haven't millions millions of restaurants come and go, you know I mean, a lot haven't. I guess it's part of it's, why people come here still the heritage yeah, it's I mean, heritage you know it, it I mean, there's so many cultures represented here, which is what. I love about it, you know, I mean, from Chinatown to you know everything's here, really I mean the 
what can't you get in New York? I don't know. Um, and I just think, you know, obviously I'm Jewish and I'm not religious or any of that, but I was brought up with the culture. And I yeah. think, you know, when you go into Russ and Daughters in New York, it's, you see everything in there. Like everybody wants to come and taste that because that is new, that tastes like New York. Like you taste, you know, it's like yeah. you get that. I always that think is, when we're sitting there and waiting for, <laughs> for the table, I was like, I mean, I grew up with this kind of food also, although not in New York, but it's, you know, it's the same descendant of the same kind of stream or whatever people in, in Eastern Europe that came to Israel instead of going to the U.S. Sadly, I wish my family went to New York instead of Israel, but never mind about that. <laughs> and um, I'm thinking about, do they even understand how much does this mean, taste-wise? But then it's like... Uh, then you know Nufar says, yeah, they have probably their own, their own, <laughs> their own stuff in their own kind of. Uh, well, I mean, you know, you go you to know, a place like Yonashima, which makes knishes. It's just been there since I think 1916 or something. You and there's, no, lucky there's, to no, there's yeah. no one in there. There's like yeah. two people. Very bold to eat there. It's this kind of places that you will never eat if you were. Like, you had no idea what is it. And, and I, you know, and I when you're in town or a friend's in town that want to check it out, like, I don't know. It, it feels like time stood still in those places, especially that place, because actually like Russ and Daughters is all fixed up. It's super modern. Mm -hmm. It's like, but Yona Schimmel, like if you want to connect, like that place hasn't changed since day one. And like, it's also amazing. The also the Sturgeon King looks the same, I guess, as it was in oh. the sixties or fifties. When something doesn't change, I guess, and been through so many cycles of, you know, upheaval and all kinds of stuff, that's pretty amazing that they've stayed to their, to what they do. And I think also a big thing about why people go to these places is the movies. Because yeah. I talk to so many people who have like, wow, when I first got to New York, all I did, you know, I grew up watching movies about yeah. New York and fantasizing and daydreaming about what it was like. And, you know, yeah, it's the, it's it's the only city in the world that, that you feel like you've been there before you've ever been there. The first time you land is like, I've been here. I've been everywhere. You know, I've never felt it, but I've been here. You were so saying you coming to New York when you first came, did you feel like, did you feel something? I, I felt at home. Mm -hmm. And I still do. I mean, I still, it's the only place that I've been in the world, I'm guessing, that I feel like I'm, I'm like, physically I say, I, I feel physically that I'm supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. And also it's one of the Except only places. you don't like the cold. <laughs> no, I the do. Cold. It's not It's not that I don't like, but I, I personally, I, I can't stand to, to, to spend another winter in Berlin. Mm -hmm. Berlin is not New York. You know, there's no... The winter is shutting down the city. It's the opposite of, like, New York is still alive, even in the winter. Yeah, I mean, it comes alive, like, you know, especially, I mean, so many people come to New York in December for the holidays. And yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's just, it is movie-esque. movie, movie -esque. It's, It is part of the movies. It's, I mean, it's it's also the way they sell stuff. I mean, that's... It's, it's it's all very good PR. Let's say let's say it's one of the cities with the best PR. You know the way they sold everything there, the 
from whatever. I mean, I'm not talking about Times Square, but but if you think about uh, like Rockefeller Center and this kind of places, when you go there, you feel this kind of magic, even though it's super commercial now. It's like full of tourists and whatever, but you still you you feel the energy in the buildings and you feel the energy in the floor when you walk, you know. And uh, I was I was thinking about the. You think you're. Uh, I mean, it's weird, but you think it's part of the Jewish genetics. Also, it helps. It helped you to survive all this time in this, like, the, to be stable. I'm not saying about being Jewish. It's about being, you know, it's a, like most of the establishments I feel in New York, you know, because it's a very Jewish city, as, as much as everybody, you know, it belongs to everybody, but there were at some point, you know, a Jewish majority there, I'm sure, more or less. But I'm just saying, you know, you feel like this is part of the... I feel like I feel like the Jewish people they have this kind of uh, I don't know how to explain. Of course, we're we're stressed and we're angry <laughs> and we're sick well, all the a, time and we they're, have they're, crazy they're mothers. Survival <laughs> mode. They have a survival. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't really honestly think about that stuff too much, but like I think it's more. A New York thing more than a Jewish thing or a, an Italian Focus, thing to stay focused and to stay focused in what you love and not you know not go and go around or whatever start to do you f you felt during this career that you had which is now already f four decades let's say three and a half decades or whatever you felt at one point that you had to change profession it's like okay I'm done with it I, I gotta try something new you mean you've done something else no. Maybe in the in the arts in the arts or uh, you felt like this is this is okay. I need to start something new. No, there was a, you know like I was in a band. I my, somehow or other my band got signed to Island Records in London when I was very young, seventeen. So that just started me on this, and like there was no turning back. And the DJ thing happened, the remixer thing happened, the producer thing happened. So I didn't really, that just was what I was doing. And, you know, things change. And like I said, it's an up and down. And there were times like, oh, you know, that I was bored with dance music after at a certain period. And I got, somehow I got a, a publishing deal and I was able to, you know, live off that for a while. And I had two kids and like being in New York and, you know, you, like, you just find a way to survive. You just, like, because every day is sort of a survival here. Like, just getting on yeah. the subway, fighting the crowds. Like, <clears throat> you, know, there's, you know, there's people who come here and think it's, you know, first they're taken with the city and it's, like, so romantic. And then when the nitty-gritty or something like this happens, they run. Because yeah. they really can't, they can't handle they it. come to Miami. <laughs> to know. chill on the beach. They they can't handle it. And I was talking about this to someone the other day, um, my friend Luke from The Rapture, who yeah. came here from California. And, you know, he's in love with New York and he feels it's his city too. And like, you know, and people are fleeing and running and like, you know, I think it's a New York thing more than anything else. I think New York prepares you for this somehow. And then, you know, shit is gonna happen. <laughs> That's what it's like. Something is gonna happen soon. You know, just, <laughs> just see, just see. 
I think I mean, that's also, by the way, it's also it's also a very Jewish thing. It's like to think it's like the worst is going to happen soon. It's like, but it's going to be okay. It's it's the worst is going to happen, but it's going to be okay also. I mean, when time. I grew I grew up in Brooklyn, and uh, when I was like till I was about nine years old, and it was a mixed neighborhood of Jewish, Italian, mostly Jewish and Italian, and it was near which Coney is the, Island, which is the same people, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think everybody's pretty much the same people. It's just, yeah. um, I think it's a New York thing, really, that over overrides any religious stuff. I think there's a, a higher, once, you know, New York takes over. And, you know, I've seen a lot of great things come out of these situations where people just rise to the occasion and you know we saw that in, in 9-11 we saw it in hurricane sandy we saw you know how long during... did it take to for the scene to recover after 9-11 i mean it was many places dark. were shut down yeah i mean anything downtown i thought yeah. you know lived on 20th street and third avenue 20 blocks away and anything below any you know near there was couldn't go it was just a cloud of death hanging over you yeah um you know took it at least a year you think that's that's why I, that's why midtown and uptown became more popular like yeah i mean that since... was, you know giuliani and you know they started uh you know making that into a theme park basically yeah. you know turning Times square herald square into you know a tourist attraction mm -hmm. you know Times Square was you know growing up in the 80s and 70s it was like you know hell you know it was just like <laughs> or heaven depending on what you're like <clears throat> close you know, to the like, close to the Port Authority Port Authority porno, <laughs> you know it was just yeah. a dangerous kind of place and now it's I think it still is by the way It still feels as dangerous. I mean, not life-threatening, but as dangerous. <laughs> it's, well, it's probably more dangerous in a bunch of ways, but it's, yeah. it's certainly less interesting. I mean, that always blows my mind. It's like, because now there's all these, like Times Square would just be these seedy porno bookshops, adult bookstores, you know, uh, arcades for games and stuff. And like... Yeah. Very Tokyo. Tokyo motifs. Now it's like you come and it's like, you know, every store that's in every mall everywhere across the world. Like, yeah. you don't need to come to New York to go <clears throat> to H&M. <laughs> like, yeah. And like yeah. people are running and buying this crap and I'm like, or going to the M&M store. Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you like, and they, like, I see them on the train with their M&M bags <laughs> and like, they think that's the greatest, that's, you know. Yeah. They think this is New York. But that's, what do you think? Why do you that's think that's the world now? That's not you know, and and you see that everywhere. There's just a, a, people going drinking Starbucks. It's like oh, this is a New York thing. No, I don't knock no. Starbucks. I mean, yeah, see, specifically, if I, have, like, if I have another choice, I, I might do that. But when you're in like Nowheresville, somewhere yeah, it's like it's not a, it's not bad. And then you see a Starbucks, and you're like, thank God. <laughs> but um, this, by the way, know, this is the one, success. The success stories of all these brands. Are making you feel at home that's why mcdonald's that's why everything around the world you're like oh okay yeah i mean i can always I go in i know what i'm yeah. gonna expect I, you know yeah. what you're gonna expect i get that to some degree but when you you're coming to new york 
I don't, I don't, I don't know, or anywhere. I mean, like if I go to Berlin or yeah, I try to do the local stuff, you know, rather than which is fake. Feels like fake, like fake Williamsburg or something. It's like <laughs> bad Greenpoint. Well, I don't know. You, 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 you have a. I mean, I'm still like I'm still a fan. So when I go to places, I kind of Just try to enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> find the best things about them and there's a lot of great things about you know you know i do miss being right now i really would love to go get a, a coffee and i i'd miss the social aspect of going sitting in a coffee shop yeah checking my emails you know doing what i have to do and you know i haven't been doing that for about three weeks and it's You know, and, you know yeah, obviously the little, the little a lot of people a lot of people yeah. are dealing with a lot worse and I, I feel fortunate but on a personal okay. note that's like annoying it doesn't it doesn't mean that your stuff is uh, you know right. not as important but yeah that. I mean so you know the 80s the 90s well what was the 90s like the 90s what? was weird man the a 90s, lot of breakbeat and a lot of yeah that's I mean that's <laughs> when I kind of got a bit like uh And it wasn't until like labels like DFA, like output, like headman's label, like goma, like all these labels started doing <clears throat> stuff um, that excited yeah. me. And I was like, "Wow, I feel that excitement again, like it's coming from a place that I can relate to, like but that's like two thousand five or you know like when the scene yeah. started again, five Maybe, or a little early. Earlier in New Four York. Five. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it was, uh, I was like, man, I was like, I'm hearing a lot of influence of the stuff I did, the stuff I was part of, plus something new. And that was like super exciting to me and made me want to like do it all again and like yeah. get, throw myself into it. And yeah, I mean, there was a, a scene here that just, I don't know, it just didn't relate to me. Like, It was very druggy, I mean obviously still part of dance different culture dr- different drugs <laughs> yeah, and um so yeah, I was really thankful that I found that inspiration again, and like to really push you know, and that's when I started like started like I formed whatever whatever i I got in you know just started working with different people, and it was really exciting. And I just used my everything I had in with in me to like from contacts to whatever to like i want you know I want to do this, can I remix your record? Can I play in your club? You know some people didn't even know who the hell I was, and I was just, or what I'd done, or if it didn't really even matter. It was like, sure, go ahead, and like they were like, oh wow you th- you think in a professional I think in a professional way now, you think New York still got it in it? Like in itself to to have this Definitely. kind of next wave it's the I kind think of... it did before before this thing came along, I think we were really on the on the right track again, you know, with clubs like when Bossanova popped up, when output popped up, when good room popped up, when there's so many places now or were before this disaster yeah. happened, like there's so many places for d j s to play right now and From big to small, and it's it's really exciting I mean it's like I play so much in New York, which I love it's my favorite 
as much as I love traveling and <clears throat> playing a panorama bar or all these amazing clubs I get to do, I I like to be in New York because, like I said, it, it, it is my inspiration and it makes me want to do these things. So, like, to have those things here and that option to be, like, I don't need to get on a plane every weekend to go fly across the, the globe to to yeah. DJ. I can do it here, and I love that, and I, I hope that is continues and that these clubs... I'm sure, I'm sure it will, you know. In, in, Cause we, we, it took a long time to get back to this point. Like, yeah, it took a while. It feels like New York was just starting to be like like you know because we we live in Europe and it's like okay this is starting to feel like Europe in the kind of scene you know the way that people react to D, to DJ the people the the way that people react to music which wasn't the same with the first times like 2015 was the first time I was there and it didn't feel the same it was great but it felt different you know people were still speaking loud on in the dance floor you know this kind of small stuff that you don't feel in Europe And uh, with all these new clubs, I don't even remember the names, elsewhere, all these like, big clubs, they're even like, you know, they're very European. Jupiter Disco. I mean, there's so many. The yeah, list I don't, is I don't, I don't endless remember names. Now. Of course, so Goodroom also is one of my... Also one Nowadays, of my public records. I mean, yeah. eh, you know, and all these clubs are in trouble right now because they have enormous <clears throat> rents, they have staff, they have, you know, what's, what's good? How are they going to survive? I hope They, they do need, and they find need, a way. They need patrons or somebody that will... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, everybody will come back, but being closed yeah. for a few months is uh, in New York City is not an easy thing no. to uh, bounce back from, you know. I mean, I see how it is in, in you know, smaller cities. It's impossible. New York is uh, but, I mean, not I forgiving. Some, I mean, some will close, some won't make it, but I'm sh hopefully some will. Maybe something new will pop up. I don't know. I don't have the, the answer. But, you know, I, I spent my life in, in clubs like, I mean, Paradise Garage. You know, I wish I could take all my friends back there for one night. Like, just, this is why I do this. And, yeah. like, you know, I was DJ at Area, which was, mm, those two were my favorite clubs of all time, Paradise Garage and Area. And, like, and the guy from Area, Eric Good, he just... He's like the, the guy who did this Tiger King thing that people are going nuts about right now. <laughs> um, starts, so it he, starts good, but it's... Uh, I haven't seen it, to be honest. Yeah, it but, starts um, well, yeah. So, you know, he's still in, in the mix and has been, you know, it's like those people who are so creative and so vibrant are still doing stuff. And that's really at the top of their game, you know, like... I think you that's... feel like there's a lot of foreigners in the in the scene in in New York. Foreigners, like people, like people out like you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not part of the scene. I don't. I don't consider. I mean, no, I don't. Or it's a I local mean, thing. Or well, anyway, New York is a mess. I don't know what's. I don't know what foreigners is. It. I mean, I think people that move to New York. Yeah, I mean, I'm people, guessing. You know, people. I mean, like, I don't know. People non American. Like, I barely. Yeah. You know, when I. People ask me, oh, where are you, you know, are you from, where are you from? I say, I'm from New York. They're like, wow, I never, I haven't barely meet anyone that's from here anymore. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people left. A lot of people don't do it anymore. And a lot of people, you know, there's one of the first people I met when I started doing this was Francois K. And he's still DJing Danny Krivet, you know. I mean, they do 
you know, it's a different thing than I do or whatever. We all do our own different things. But yeah. there are a few of us that still are, you know, out there busting our ass to do what we love. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful I can do that. I mean, I'm, you know, today I'm going to be spending my day on the phone with unemployment trying to figure out if I can get <laughs> some money because, um, you know, I haven't worked and I had to, all my gigs are canceled up until June and who knows when. So they have things in New York for, uh, well, yeah, there's a, I mean the small businesses or whatever. Well, no, there's a, they extended unemployment benefits for freelancers mm, okay. for, this, for the COVID thing, which ah, is that's a miracle. Yeah. That's very good. So, well, also in Berlin, they give a lot of money. If you can I mean, get... yeah, we're not on the level of some of what the European countries are doing, but yeah. I mean, people, You know, I know Bernie Sanders and fighting for that, for people to, you know, it's like, how would we survive without that? This might be the downfall of the, the one that I don't want to say the name, which is also good. If something good comes out of it. I was, I mean, the Even people who the follow that, because the, the, people campaign. Who, the people who like him would follow him off a cliff. And I, I don't understand it. And I'll never understand it. Like, Watch Tiger King. Huh? Watch Tiger King. Okay. Then you will understand. <laughs> then, you'll see, then you'll see who are these people. <laughs> I like, I just like, how, how do they, when he opens his mouth, I just, I just, I mean, it just blows my mind. I like, this is the president of the United States. I'll never it understand. It has no that. meaning anymore. That's the, well, yeah, I mean, that's the problem. Like, that's, that's what's lost in general in the world. You know, this kind of being the president. I'm sure it had a meaning in the past. Yeah, he's destroyed the meaning. And, you know, we're not the greatest country in the world anymore. No. And that's not even the second. Our, not even the second. I mean, yeah, and that's really, yeah. I mean, because I grew up with America was the greatest country in the world. And, you know, we could save was anybody. It? Was it or was it? I, mean, uh, I don't know if it was same. or if it wasn't, yeah. but I believed it. Good PR. Because they had a good, PR. you know, <laughs> yeah. we were the ones that were helping other countries. We yeah. were the ones that were, you know, when anybody got in trouble, we were there to save them. Yeah. And now we need help. We're, we're, we're like behind the eight ball. And like, that's, that's really something that. I think this did. will be a good, good time for America to be strong again, you know, to be this kind of a uh, superpower. Because I feel like in Europe, this will divide Europe. in the ways that will never will never return to what it was especially if poor countries now like italy spain this kind of places they will never go back they will never go back to what it was you know and germany won't 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 spend any more money to save places the uk always already sorry chose their way out even before this happened i mean it's amazing <laughs> they found trillions of dollars all of a sudden to help I don't know. It's like... I mean, you can get 1,200 bucks no, from what I saw. If you earn less than 75 a year, you can get I mean, 1,200 bucks. You'll get a check, I guess, if you pay your taxes that for 1,200 bucks. That's, yeah. you know, in New York doesn't go that far. Maybe it's, it's a coffee. A, it's a trip to Whole Foods. <laughs> it's a couple of <laughs> <Yeah>. coffees. <laughs> And, you know, if you're eligible for unemployment, then you can... That's, you know, there's a $600 a week on top of everything you make from what I understand. I don't know. It's going to, apparently it's like a two or three hour process on the phone to even to make 
to get it going, but uh, just. I mean, you DJ for six, seven hours. You make. <laughs> yeah, so I'm okay. prepared. For, you know, sitting on planes for eight hours. You know, yeah. I, we like good. spending time. It's fun to spend time. We have no choice. Stuff. We yeah. have no choice, but um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm hoping that we really do. This did did wake us up a bit to to see what's important in our lives and like what's meaningful and you know what we take for granted every single day and i'm no i'm as guilty of it as anybody you know yeah and i don't I, i don't see you as somebody that takes for granted anything no but you know but just being able to go out and get a cup of coffee uh, but, yeah. you know just stupid like, stuff but that's because i think now it's It's like programmed in our mind that it's part of the disease. No, it's just about keeping other people safe. You know, it will return to this way quicker than you think. You know, it's like uh, you will go out again and, and we'll yeah, be Yeah, of course. I think I mean, this I'm... is not what people need to think about, you know, what I took for granted. It's like what we took for granted is the fact that there are more people around us. You know, that's the... I think the... one thing is, you know, you can't underestimate having good health because all that other stuff we'll figure it out money clubs blah 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 yeah you know i mean we'll figure all that stuff out but if you're not healthy if you're sick and there's no way to to fix that you're i don't know yeah then, that, like yesterday's problems feel like a joke now at this point like all the small stuff that i'm thinking about what happened in the last few months and this You know, all the small politics and the gigs and this and that. The thing about it now, I'm just laughing at it. It's like, you remember this? Like, no. It's like, it makes zero meaning. It has like zero meaning at this point, which is fun. This is, it's very cleaning. It's like a big meditation period, you know? All your fears are coming to you. Everything. It's like, you know, it's like, you're like, It's a prison. I feel like if anybody wanted to know in his lifetime what the, fi- what the prison feels like, good or bad or whatever, you got coffee, you got TV, you got internet, whatever. You know, to each his own prison. Weird But, enough, uh, I, I, I don't always remember my dreams, but the other night I had a dream about that I got arrested and I was going to jail. <laughs> Maybe it was some sort of like... Yeah, because this is, this is, I think, this is the... People don't feel it or they don't really know, but this is how it feels, I'm guessing. That they took away your freedom. It doesn't matter if you're in an amazing house or if you have a boat or if you have a private jet. I mean, it hurts everybody. Or you live in the street. It doesn't matter. Even people that live now in the street, there's nobody to take care of them in the street, yeah. you know? Yeah, they, they can't beg for money. There's that. I mean, what are they doing? It's, it's, they should get un- unemployment uh, or... <laughs> whatever <laughs> some kind of yeah. a, some kind of a, also some kind of a fee I don't know. yeah i mean we need to take care of each other I, i think that's something that could be learned from this is like you know you see these people on the trains homeless people i mean and a lot of them you, i've seen them for years it's like they, their job and yeah. the same ones doing the same shtick but <laughs> you know we walk past them we don't even see people anymore we don't you become <laughs> blind to this Which you, a, feel, you feel like we did? If you, tell, if you think about the 80s, 90s, you can only, you can only, uh, you can only uh, testify about New York, but you feel like uh, it changed? You think you were, we were more social people? 
back then? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was it was much more I I guess it was just a different thing because it was New York was a, you know, a much edgier, dirty yeah. place. Mm-hmm. So it was it was kind of like but now when you, in this contrast of the the cleanliness and the Disneyland vibe of parts of New York and you're still thrown, you know, when a homeless person or a crazy person or someone who's not well gets on the train and just shakes everybody up. Yeah. I mean, because you know, because we're It's, just not used to it anymore. We were more used to like crazy stuff in the 80s, 70s like because it was just better to be on edge all the time. Anyway, like, you were prepared. Now it's expect the worst. Shock, like, oh shit! That's why the world is. Ex- that's why the world is. You know, that's how. That's why the world is acting or reacting to whatever happened because we were too comfortable. For sure. In you know most part of the world, I wouldn't say I'm sure there is places in the world that you know I'm checking all the time the world meters. I'll be honest. There's 800 million people now that doesn't that don't have clean water to drink. You know that's that's like, way worse than what I mean in, in America America. that we have it you know in Flint Michigan yeah. obviously, you know it's crazy like I'm saying there is crazy stuff, but the most I would say the most of the Western world you know or the first or second world are comfortable in their lives yeah and that's mm-hmm. and now they took their comfort, but we weren't comfortable nineties were all wars everywhere, the two thousand were you know. The money you know the all the all the recessions and all this nine eleven you know there was like the the two thousand to two thousand and and whatever eight actually till the recession was you know there was a boom, but then it was super scary at the same time, you know nobody was comfortable I think since then the two like all the last decade was very comfortable there were there wasn't a lot going on well, wake and, up yeah. here we are. You know okay. this is a new a new thing uh you know something that we were forced to deal with, and I hope something good comes out of it and you know whether you, mostly what, i mean I've got a, so much new music like i've <laughs> i have so <laughs> anything much, good like, anything good you want to share anything no, keeping it for myself no so What's much new f- music and like uh, there's nowhere to play it it's really a bummer like I don't know. I just... I don't What's know, your favorite? But now at least at the Ace, there was a lot of free rooms at the Ace. I'm sure... <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's, it's closed. At least I'm, they didn't They didn't do a... I mean, at least. I mean, I'm, I think a lot of hotels are going to re, reprogram to be a Corona, Corona hotels at one point. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just... I, you know, I'm just... I'm just hoping that everybody's comes back comes out of this you know but why why I, this you feel like why this moment feels so because it's shut down the world i mean nothing has ever shut yeah, down but why the world. nobody can think past this because we've never had to deal with it before so we don't have the answer like what's going to happen I but mean, it's it's not that lethal even it's not like malaria or ebola or the aids god forbid or whatever It's pretty you, there's your phone died you not I thought it it cut off I thought we you you had enough of me no, never crazy 
I don't know. Maybe it's just an hour because I don't have like a confirmed. Uh, yeah, account. one of the kids said you're done. That they were like, we're sick of you. Shut up. But see, this too. This fucking too. Well, I don't want to say. Well, I think it's just like I'm always trying to think why. I mean, this, this, uh, this kind of uh, civilization been through so much. Yeah, we got off lucky. We got last. we got soft. It was too yeah. good for too long. Definitely, and no, and nobody was prepared. Basically, that's what I feel. But I never, I never thought it's going to be in our lifetime. Not something like that. Rise. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it was. Yeah, I was not expecting anything like this. That's for sure. And. But you know, when I started hearing about it. It seemed like it could happen, and that was um nobody you know obviously we could have been better prepared, but we weren't <clears throat> and I was in Europe, and the only nobody... thing you'd be prepared is getting more uh machines ventilators respiratories machines <clears throat> beds there's no really way to prepare for this well, yeah. Well, that's a big thing because now there's in New York there's a you know they're having to choose who's going to live and who's going to die you know right now, and that's pretty scary shit for the people with the money that's who's going to live celebrities somehow find a way to get tested or we can get tested also it's like three hundred bucks there's black market for everything. <laughs> you're so anxious to get tested I'm not that time i mean i'm <clears throat> I'm assuming that I had it and got away. Yeah. you should always easy. everybody should anybody that listens to us you should assume assume either you had it or you have it now <laughs> and yeah, act I like mean, that you know that's how i i the minute I got off the plane, I was like, I probably have this stuff, but I'm just gonna stay away as much as possible from people but um, so what what's gonna be your first thing when you go out <laughs> when the hole with the when the mabul in Hebrew, the mabul the the big the big uh The big rain, the big storm will be over. I mean, they put us like, in pairs. It's like a very Noah's Ark. Like you can only you can only go out in twos. <laughs> you know, be, I want to see my kids. I want to see my friends. I How did to... they experience it? <clears throat> At first, they were like, "Oh, it's you know, it's going to be okay." But then they got really scared, and they got really. For the first time, I really. felt that that they were frightened about this, and I mean for their you know, my, for their own my, health or in general just for what for everything and um but you know they're 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 my older daughter imogene lives in l a and she's How you know my, over there for she's okay, you know she Same. rides her bike, she stays away, you know they're smart they're you know smart kids they're not putting themselves at risk and um Ella's here in Brooklyn so yeah but I mean you have if you you know if you have you have to you know be concerned and be aware I mean I think you know when I saw these kids or not even kids adults running around like treating this like it was some sort of holiday and going yeah it was it was disturbing yeah <sighs> That's the anyway. future, the future of this uh, this world, these people.
What do you think is your favorite remix? I mean, what do you think? What is your favorite <laughs> remix? No, your own, I mean. Like, what was this moment that is like, yes, I've made it. Mm. It's good. It's like this kind of, <clears throat> oh, it finally <laughs> paid off. The, the I mean, I've, years. Done, I've done like maybe 300 remixes or some, some crazy thing like that. But it's really, I don't really have a favorite. Like, when, I'm not big on favorites because they all mean something different for a different time. But the first one that like felt like, the okay that i that I did the me and my friend, my partner at the time, Murray Elias, we had a little production company, and we got asked to do a Debbie Harry remix for this song called "In Love with Love," which was like from one of her albums at the time, and kind of like had a rock and roll vibe, and we turned it into like a freestyle jam, and i did I had my s p twelve drum machine and I programmed the beats and made it like a you know freestyle record and which was really popular in New York at the time and little Louie and all these DJs started playing it yeah and Louie called me up one day and said you got to come to heartthrob this club he was working out after funhouse and said you got it this record is the biggest record in the club I'm like whoa I was like, okay. So we went down to the club. He would tease the record in and out. And when he put it on, the whole club went insane. And that was the first time I saw people react to a remix I did. And, you know, it really was like, okay. <laughs> and after that, it was just, you Give know. Give me more. Give me more. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I got more, you know, and, and it was. What was yeah. the most you sold, do you feel? Which one but, you sold know, the so most? Different, the different now of like no you know you'd actually have to go to a club to see something like that like you had yeah, no yeah. idea anything like where people were experiencing your music all over the world like i didn't really feel that till like the internet where people yeah. started writing to me like this record meant so much to me this like and you had no idea back in the 80s that anyone else you know i mean obviously you knew that some people were playing it but like that how it what it meant to people and how people reacted to it so like you couldn't see it on your phone like you had to be there and djs weren't really traveling back then and, and stuff like that so once the internet came people started you know finding out you found out like wow this record meant you know i mean every record every record is different and like you know there's been some obvious ones like 808 state pacific which you know or camel i mean the the nice thing to me is that people still play this stuff and that's yeah. that is to me like so humbling and rewarding that something i did you know maybe 20 years ago 30 years ago whatever it still means something and can be played alongside of all the new stuff i'm doing and the new stuff everybody's doing and that is like really special and you know that really let me ask you something good. else sure who is, the, who is the coolest guy let's talk about mm -hmm. new york a little bit who is the coolest guy that people know that you met that you have experienced you know social social not distancing with the coolest guy i've ever met well 
I'm not, I don't know. I mean, that's a tough one because there's been... You can say a few people. It doesn't have to be the best I mean, or the coolest or I whatever. Mean, people that really infect, like, infected, I will use this word, infected your <laughs> life with... Uh, Contagious. With, yeah. Like, well, there's there people that's like, okay wow this person's like like now now it's easier to meet your your idols i'm guessing than it used to be because you can be like like here you, you can people listen can not that anybody idolize me but i'm saying people can hear me can hear me speak and this kind of stuff which was right. you were you weren't that there wasn't this kind of option to to be this close to somebody even well, if I it's in the, way, up, the phone yeah growing up we have to wait to see you know, before MTV and stuff, we'd have to wait, like, to see our, our idols on TV, like, yeah. once in a blue moon. Or, I mean, I've met people like Keith Haring, I've met people like Andy Warhol, I've met, like, Larry Levan, I've met Francois K. Musically, you know, the guys who I was in Milk and Cookies with, I mean, that changed my life. And, like, all those things, all these people have made a mark on me. And like, there's so many, you know, like every step of the way, um, there's too many. I mean, every person I've met that has had some sort of impact on me has influenced me. I mean, obviously we could talk about Keith Haring, like, because the guy was, um, I mean, besides, you know, I love his art and I love what he did, the generous, spirit that he had and the non-stop you know working till basically the day he died was something that you know I'll never forget like it's it's that guy was you know he was amazing and you know just meeting like Andy Warhol like I mean to me he was huge he was already but he was already he was this, already this person yeah. he became yeah. like well, the person that everybody knew who he was I mean, you know, he took my pick. I mean, I would, when when I was about 16, me and my girlfriend, we'd go to Max's Kansas City, which I showed you is now some deli on Park Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we'd get in there somehow, the owner, this guy, Mickey Ruskin, liked us, and we'd get, we'd have dinner, and then there was the back room where, like, Andy Warhol and New York Dolls and Lou Reed and... Bowie and everybody's hanging out and we were just these kids you know uh, hanging out with these people and like they thought we were cool and like we weren't cool but we were cool <laughs> like yeah we were but they were so cool and like just to be around all that and like you know when I met Francois K that was uh, kind of a big moment for me not that I he was like working at Prelude Records and like mixing all this amazing stuff and like I'd never like I went to see him DJ one night at an after hours club and he was like doing these incredible mixes like beat matching I didn't even know much about that or anything about that and he showed me like how to do it like do this do that. and then like I never had a DJ set up at home so I just I still don't really. Well, I got one now for to do live streams <laughs> <laughs> for the future. Is it the decks of the future? But like, um, you know, I just worked, uh, learned on the job basically, and uh, yeah, these people had, you know, were huge influences in my life, and 
mostly my my first girlfriend Abby who I write about a lot and people always ask me like she really was a, a huge influence in my life and made me do things I never thought I could do including being in milk and cookies including DJing it was all both of those things were things that she you know believed yeah. that I could do and and sort of made it happen and like those are the people you know you know that really yeah. you know my my ex-wife who is the mother of like Imogene and Ella like you know obviously that's a life-changing thing and like these are, you know, the people that are really important to me and my parents who like, let me do this shit. You know, they like, I was super lucky. You know, my, my parents were very encouraging of my choices, which not everybody has. And they basically supported, you know, what I was doing and, you know, sometimes thought I was maybe shouldn't be doing it but they let me do it and they yeah. didn't discourage me from like go get a real job you know my dad was into music my mom was into everything like i got the i got lucky on that situation <laughs> so yeah i mean i i've just met the most incredible people throughout my life and you know even now you know people all these people that i i admired and that like I said, I'm a fan, you know, I've become friends with, and that's really great, you know, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I never thought I'd be like making a record with Soul Wax and having a, a you know, record on Dewey that, you know, I have this new project, each other, and like my friend Max Pask, and we worked on a record together with me, you, and him, and like, it's amazing, like, you know. The, wonder, just, the wonders of the, of the net. Yeah, well, I met them actually, you know, and like we just hit it off because we're yeah, both course. all yeah. in insane collectors of useless crap. And like, um, <laughs> so we had that, and then it was like, you know, it's like, why don't you and Max come to the studio and make a record? And like, their studio is like insane. And like, what a great experience that was. And like, I'm so proud of all this stuff and my project with. Joe Goddard and Marcus Mara, I'm like a huge hot chip fan. And like, all of a sudden I'm, I'm in Joe's studio. We're working on records and like all those records are like, I'm singing on them now. Like I've been singing on all my new projects, which has been a lot of fun and not my idea. I was like, why don't you, you know, these soul wax and Joe and Marcus were like, yeah, you should sing on this, man. You know, we really like what your vibe and it's been so encouraging. And like, I feel like, all these people, you know, that I kind of are in my world or have been just great, you know, you, all of you. I, I, what, do you, what do you think is, what do you, what would you say the tips to getting to this position? I mean, what is your, what is your, I wouldn't say routine or whatever, but what's, well, I think, like the way of life to get to this place. Because a lot of people try to do it. Uh, people do it also i mean i'm i gotta say that i'm super super lucky as well to get to where i am and it's a lot because of the people that i that i've met along the way and you know the the opportunity they gave me you know to shine also i think you know the the thing is that 
like I said, I've been in the right place at the right time. Yeah. But it's also making the most of that and like not letting it go by without giving it everything you've got. Like I could have met Solax. I could have not, that could have not happened. But yeah, it, just being, not being afraid. Be, not being afraid. Like, yeah. I mean, just I was ask. nervous about like singing on records again. I hadn't done that in a really long time. And like, they really pushed me and, and Joe and Marcus really pushed me to do that. And like, I'm so grateful for that. I think it's, it's seizing the moment of, of these opportunities you get and not like not wasting them because they don't always come around. Yeah, and like, yeah. I've been, you know, yeah. I, I mean, that's really the key. And like you said before, I'm a total fan of like this stuff of what I, what I love and like, when it comes to finding music, when it comes to like going after trying to find a book or some some stupid thing I want, like I'll go to <laughs> the end of the earth to get it and I'll and I'll find yeah. it. And I'm really good at that. And like, I don't know, it's, it's because it's, it's the only thing I want to do. So if you, you know, the, I'm super focused on it, I guess. And you really love it. I think a lot of people don't. Or a lot mm. of people did, and they stopped, and they're stuck with the bills, and you know. <laughs> I think <laughs> when I, every time, literally, I'm I'm super nervous every time I get into a DJ booth. I really am, and like, people are like, wow, you've done it like thousands of times, and I'm like, yeah, but it's still, I think, and I don't ever want to lose that because that's I think what keeps me, like, on kind of edge about it, like. Yeah. And it's like, I don't ever like take that for granted that I'm going to go in there and it's going to be amazing. It's like, oh shit. Like, and I don't pre-plan my sets. I don't, I'm very like intuitive. And I, I don't know. I, I think that's what keeps it exciting for me. And I still like, you know, I love to DJ and I, you know, it's great. I mean, and I love to be in the studio. I love to work on music. I, I get to do what I love and, um, I don't know. People, I guess it's because, I guess it's the passion, you know, and I've met people, you know, over my life who say, I wish I had a passion, you know, they don't know what they want to do. And like, there is nothing like driving them. It's like they find a job, they do that. I feel really lucky. I never, that I never understood that. <laughs> it's a lot of people, you you know, people who have it's that. Most, passion. I guess, most of the world is like. But like, I knew it, like, from like when I was seven years old and literally I just knew that this was something I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's why know. I'm here in Miami. Yeah. You know, I mean, this kind of like going, I, I came here to work. I wanted to DJ. I didn't care. You know, wherever got canceled, I'm saying, you know, waiting for the next for before the next bomb explodes. I don't care. <laughs> You know, yeah, kind of, I mean, you're running. It's like, I always feel like, I felt like the past month or something, month and something was like, uh, like all this shit that you see the bombs dropping behind you and just run, you know, just keep on running and just not to get, not to get hit by them. And um, I think, yeah, it's a hundred percent passion. I, I, I must say like, personally, there is like, there is ups and downs always, even in this. It's like there is a ups, up and down about, you know, how much 
will you give for this passion? I mean, the passion is always there, but how much will you sacrifice from your well-being for, for this, uh, you know? I mean, for me, you know, I, I'm pretty well, I don't, I always took care of myself. I never got into drugs or drinking or any stuff like that. I, I'm, I was totally into music and other stuff. So um, that kept me alive, basically. And um, I, there, like I said, I'll do this till the day I die. And if I die tomorrow, which I am not planning on it, I know that I've oh, done yeah. everything I kind of want to, yeah. I've done it. I've done and I've left. I feel like maybe I've left something for, you know, people to be inspired by. And I think that's for an artist is everything. Like if you can leave something that still inspires people after you're gone, then you've done your job. And I'm you still think, doing it. You think the people that, that died young, like Keith or Larry Obviously. or... You think they, you, if you imagine they would be alive today, they would still be doing the same things? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they wouldn't be like, I mean, Keith old, wouldn't. Old and just like not care. No, I mean, well, certainly not with Keith Haring. He would be painting up as doing whatever. I mean, obviously. I would love to have seen what what those guys would be doing right now how that how they would have adapted to, to this yeah to see what like you know how what Larry would be playing right now or what Keith would be <laughs> can you imagine him playing like deck house or whatever this I mean people would be good in that also people have a different um concept of like what the garage was as to actually what it was musically because it was everything like everything from you know talking heads to you know yeah to, you, you know hear, the best disco to every you know to rock and roll from his, uh, from his edits and you know i mean it remixes. wasn't just it was everything and i learned about so many songs and music that i never knew what it was till i walked into that place was it loud back then i mean it was perfect it was the Sound. perfect the, wasn't too like, loud? It, it never hurt it never got like i was fortunate mm -hmm. at, at area they had the same richard long who did the sound system for the garage did um the system at area and dimitri from paris wrote me the other day that it he said like he never heard a sound system like area like that was the best sound system he's ever heard still to this day and you know so the sound system was absolutely perfect and i've never heard one better and um now it's in canada from what i understand it's in stereo i think it's all been yeah. they have a piece of there's one richard long sound system that's still functioning and that's in a in a coney island in a bumper car he did a a, a bumper car thing and yeah. i went I, me and matias aguayo we went on the bumper car ride about last summer i guess it was and it still sounds great um should do a little so, dj there they, I think Nicky Siano had a party there when he was coming out of sort of retirement um, just to play on a Richard Long sound system. But yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's 
do what you love, man. Life is short. I mean, that's simple. Uh, if you're lucky enough to, you know, I've had friends who I worked with who were DJs, engineers, who stopped doing it just <clears throat> like, and went, you know, either they, you know, they had families and they thought it was, you know, it was too hard. And it is hard. It's hell. Like trying to do this and, and have a family in New York is, is not easy. But it's a lot, especially I think, I think about what, what we did up until this point, this kind of constant traveling and constant relocating yourself to places. It's a lot. I didn't I mean, have I would, it. I would, trade it, I would trade it for a, for a city that I can just go and play every week and enjoy Well, you know, yeah, enjoy this, enjoy the same people or whatever you call it. That's presidents. what I do now. I mean, that's why I love New York too, because there are these opportunities, at least for, I'm lucky enough for me, maybe. But you know, when my kids were growing up, I didn't travel. I stayed home. I didn't miss a day of their life. And that is something that probably is something I'm super proud of. Because um, yeah. that's something you'll never get back. And like, I mean, I was able to somehow make it happen and, you know, it, it wasn't easy, but I, you know, there wasn't a, a parent teacher conference. There wasn't a school play. There wasn't anything I missed from their life. And I'm proud of that more than anything that, you know, I, you know, I was there for them and I always, you know, I can always DJ or I'm, maybe yeah. not always, but I, I was able to make that happen for me again after doing that and that's something that i'm i'm pretty happy about anybody anybody during this big lifetime broke your heart anybody that you're you've been a fan of broke my heart my heart like people that you were no but oh, people God. that you were fans of fan of you know but they, they always like, say they always say don't meet your heroes yeah but you met <laughs> met a lot of them and they're cool and they're all right It happened to me <laughs> once. It happened to me once. And I, I, I never forgot it, actually. And when I was about, yeah, I would, me and Abby were at, went to Max's Kansas City, and I was a huge Todd Rundgren fan. Todd Rundgren was one of my gods at that time. And I went up to him. He was outside in front of Max's. And I went up to say hi and introduce myself and say I was a big fan. And he just kind of like, brushed me off like had no time for me i was so crushed i was like i was heartbroken and i i, I said wow if i ever got to a place like that i would make sure i never treated anybody like that and like and not you know and you know maybe he was having a bad day maybe he had a fight with his girlfriend <laughs> who knows yeah maybe it was just the wrong time but like I was crushed because I, you know. You never saw him again <laughs> since then? <laughs> well, lucky I started, he started making bad records that I didn't like. So <laughs> I didn't have to worry about him. But um, he was the one that, yeah, the, the only one that stood out of someone that like brushed me off and like wasn't nice. But pretty much everyone I, I met, you know, was cool. And I tried to... Anyone that ever comes up to me and says anything to me, I mean, uh, that I think, I, you know, I, I always have time for somebody. And I think it's important. 
I never so, know what to reply in these situations. <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for sure. <laughs> thank you, and I really appreciate it. And yeah. it really does mean a lot to me. I mean, I think it's hard for people to come up to somebody they like. It's not easy sometimes. I, yeah. It's easier now, I guess. But yeah, I mean, there's more op options to do. Well, now you yeah. see them now. But back yeah. then, it was kind of a mythical thing. Like, wow, yeah. you know, I'm standing next to this person that I, you know, all I, all I know of him is his records and yeah. you're in a magazine. So yeah, I don't know. I say always treat people the way you want to be treated. And that's a little something I kind of keep in my head from that experience. <laughs> but I do love Todd Rundgren still. And still good music. Still very yeah, good music. Something, I mean, there's some albums that, yeah, just mind blowing. But yeah, I mean, have we exhausted everything or you still have questions? Yeah, there's always, there's always stuff to talk about. But I'll let you go to cold employment. Yeah, go to <laughs> I mean, the you know, here, cold employment. Here we are, and, and I have, you know, no work, and, you know, no matter, we're all in the this, this same boat right now. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, so bad, by the way. This boat. It's actually fun. Yeah. We're all in the same boat, and we all got to look out for each other, and we all got to, you know, the DJs, when these clubs start coming back, you know, I'm sure D these clubs are not going to be able to afford to pay DJs the fees that they may have gotten beforehand. And it's gonna take, I think, you know, a really concerted, concerted effort to, to stick together and, and build this thing back up. And I mean, it's, it hasn't been that long, but no. the damage has been quite intense. Yeah, it's just the, it's just the, 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 what's going on around it that's been long already it feels like a long time already um, but uh, I just hope personally I hope that a lot of DJs that made a lot of money in the past me included can help you know give back a bit or give to the give to the side or give to the people that made less than you I'm not saying donate uh, whatever you did but I'm just saying whoever can help should help yeah. Because then it will return to, to what it is. I mean, this is, I think, the worst time in our life are the time that we need to be, you know, to be the best people. Now, this is like the worst time. I'm sure in every area of life, there is people that are going to suffer. But I'm talking about us as DJs, you know, whatever we can do to help each other, that could be the best, the best time, you know? Someone's asking for a moment story. <laughs> and, I already, um, I already know where I want to live in New York. It's waiting. The white building is waiting. Oh yeah, the, with, the, with, the old, yeah. with the old Jewish people, Joey's yeah. building. You, you can move into well, Joey and his mom lived on Third Avenue and Ninth Street, and uh, Milk and Cookies played a lot with the Ramones. I mean, we. Mm, I remember seeing the Ramones the first time they played at CB's and were we they good like, or just oh, they were incredible, incredible. Like, so, I mean, I'd never heard anything like it. It was, 
they must have done 30 songs in a half an hour. And it was, there wasn't a song over a minute and a half and they just blew me away. And I got to be good friends with Joey and um, all of them really. And we all like the same kind of music. We all, you know, we're into bubblegum music and, and English bands and like, you know, Milton Cookies and the Ramones was a was a bill that happened a lot at at CBs and Maxes and we played. Where did you guys hang out? Like daytime. See, I mean, we just hang out at, at the clubs. You know, like, at daytime, every, nobody, every, nobody's in, nobody's out. No, everyone was asleep. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I we did hang out in the daytime. I mean, <laughs> it sounds weird. <laughs> The guy, a bunch of rockers in the daytime. The guy who designed the Ramones logo and was like their creative director before there were creative directors was yeah. this guy, Arturo Vega. And he had this great loft like off the Bowery and people would always hang out there. And I mean, mostly nothing happened till nighttime. I mean, at that point, like, and then we'd all go to CBGB's and, you know, watch talking heads who i mean you'd go the nights you played obviously and then you'd go every other night because it yeah. was you know talking heads bondy ramones tough darts um dead boys television patty smith i mean it was insane i mean like and you know we didn't think anything of it because nobody normal would, it, was, it normal. was a normal thing yeah i mean a little more than normal but it was I mean, yeah, I didn't. Was... I didn't think you knew the global, the global effect of this band at the point. At the point, yeah. Nobody knew. I mean, it's yeah. like no one knew the effect of a Keith Haring. No one knew the effect. Yeah. of The only time that makes it, you know, puts it in perspective, I guess. But I feel like in New York, it's the only place. I don't know if it is now, but it's the only place that you can be successful in your time. You know, it's <laughs> kind of like. There's a lot of big artists now, but they were never, I mean, I, I would extend it to you, the U.S. in general. You know what? You can come to Europe after a year that you've been successful in the U.S. and then start, you know, your success there. And, but it's not the same. I mean, it's the only place that gives you instant gratification about what you do. You know, it's like this kind of feeling because... You've been working, I mean, back then, I'm not sure if it's now, but back then you wrote a, you wrote a song, <laughs> you went to perform and that's it. I think this is what felt like for me in the scene, that's what felt for me in Tel Aviv. When we were coming up in Tel Aviv, that was the vibe that you made tracks and you go to play at them and you have the instant gratification of this music, you know, and this kind of, because it was different. So I think this is like, this is what, what I can compare to, but... I don't feel like it's the same in, in other places. I mean, the, well, before the Ramones and that stuff, the New York Dolls, like, I have to talk about the New York Dolls because they were like the second Beatles for me. Like, the Beatles was my, like, thing that got me into music and, like, changed my life. And then seeing the New York Dolls made it seem, like, real. Like, that was, like, made milk and cookies possible like here's yeah. this band of like guys from new york <clears throat> that are doing something and like 
created this whole scene and like those were some of the most exciting shows I've ever seen in my life and like changed my life in so many you know Johnny Thunders and all these people like I wish I could uh I don't know I guess for for kids today they they have their own things and everyone has every generation has you know something that but I don't yeah, know. It's just, I, not, it's just less and less. And less I don't know. I mean, maybe it is. I can't. I can't say. I mean, no. You know, I mean, my kids. I have see their what music. it is. People dancing for a twenty-second track on TikTok or whatever. Yeah, I it's mean, not art. The only art form that I find from it is the the promotion. That's the best. That's the art form. Promoting it's it's an art form. It's not the music. It's not whatever. It, just being so good in promoting something and you know, getting to so many people and imagining you know that somebody like uh whatever football good football player or soccer americans like like european football he needs to share with people how to wash hands you know it's <laughs> like to become this kind of this kind But, of thing it's like yeah I mean, how many people are you rich yeah i mean i feel super lucky that i got to like experience the new york dolls and the paradise garage and that's not i don't know because you know outside of that being in that room nobody else knew about like you no one else experienced yeah. it wasn't like there wasn't like you know boiler room the opposite yeah it's the <laughs> opposite of garage. reach that's the whole point the, it's about grabbing people. people it's about bringing people in it's not about reaching outside all the time it's the opposite of You know, this is part of what, what we're experiencing now. It's this part of huge globalization of everything. You know, mm -hmm. and this is, this is the repercussions of globalization. Yeah. This is everything is for everyone. And yeah. back then, everything wasn't for everyone. It was for those people yeah. who sought this out. And like... Also, it shouldn't be for everyone. It's ruined it. It's, it, it ruins it. Like rock music died. You know, and a lot of things died. I mean, died in, in the commercial effect of it, in the aspect of it, sorry, not the... Uh, but I'm saying a lot of our music is dead also because of that. Because it, it reached too many people that they're not supposed to be part of it. You need to work hard to get to, get to underground music. You need to work hard for it. Not in the kind of... Uh, you can't go in Bergheim. I'm saying you need like to work, like to learn. You need to study this music. You need to appreciate it. You need to be a fan of it. It's not just being in a party and dancing, which is great also because it's, this pays the rent. But it's, I don't think any of the DJ will say, oh yeah, I'm doing it to reach so many people. And it sounds weird if you want to reach so many people. You want the opposite. Well, I think you want the people that you've reached to understand what you, you're trying to do more than reaching a lot of people. It's a different world like. now. You can't even compare. There's no comparison yeah. to what what was and what is right now. And you have to try and find a way to what I you know try and bring some of that to what 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 is now. And it's hard, but you know. And hey, look, I'm not knocking what's going on now because I I get to play all over the world and. Yeah, it's different there's course. nothing bad about yeah. it it's just different i'm no. lucky i had yeah. the experience of the other thing which a lot of people don't and that's 
whatever. And so they don't know, they don't know what they're missing per se or something, maybe feel like they've missed something, but. I just, I just feel like we had this short period and people my age, at least we had short period, even though I've seen, you know, and I was in the highlight of a lot of the scene and, you know, I've seen the biggest DJs I've played with them and whatever. Oh, good. But I'm just saying it was very short. I'm not talking about this pandemic or whatever. It's just like it exploded very fast. This kind of, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it's yours and then it's not yours in a second. The same thing when you make music now, it's yours and then a week after it's not yours anymore. You know, and uh, whatever. Like you said, with the music, it's with getting promos and whatever, it's yours. And, you know, and then 500 other people have it at the same time. <laughs> It's just different. I'm just, I'm just afraid more, about the next 30 years. <laughs> more democrat- it's more democratic right now. It's everything is for everybody. Everyone yeah. has the same thing, and basically. So to have something special is you either have to make it and keep it for yourself, or, you know, but then it just... <laughs> but then it's against everything you're, you're used to at this point to keep anything to yourself. Because, yeah. you know, you know, even this, when we're speaking like this on Instagram Live, you know, you're not keeping to yourself. We can do it on FaceTime. It's about sharing with other people this kind of stuff, which is what this world has become. Yeah. I think, and that's not a bad thing. It's no. just a different thing. Yeah. And it's just, you know, adapting to, to the situation that you're that you're in and that's what we're in and so you make the best of it and you know I, there's a lot I love about it and I'm not complaining and there's but I you know I hopefully bring some of what I learned with me to that experience and I don't know if I do but uh, I try <laughs>